I'll be reading today out of Ephesians 4 and 25, and although the introduction was about one kind of relationship, what we see in the Scriptures isn't just between husbands and wives, but also families to include church families. Conflict happens. And so let's see what the Word of God can teach us today about how to deal with it. Ephesians 4 and 25, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, we come humbly into your house today, so thankful that the blood of Jesus Christ is still effectual over our lives. We thank you, Father, that these words aren't simple poetry, but they offer us a path to live the abundant life, which is the will of the Master. We pray, Father, that you would do something that no human can do. That your Holy Spirit would move through this congregation, through all that are listening, so that we might have a unity in the body, that there be no barriers, no walls that come up between us, no angry words that are shared between brothers and sisters of one body. May your will reign over our life. May our love for you be shown in our obedience to your holy word. O Holy Spirit, speak to us. Our ears are open. Our heart is ready. In Jesus' name, amen. Most of you know that I'm a big movie fan. Uh, I, I always have been, even when I was a kid. And one of my favorite movies has always been Rocky. And uh, actually, it's not just one movie, it's eight different movies. Eight different Rocky movies, although most of the time the story is just about the same. Two guys stand in the middle of the uh, square for about 15 rounds to the point that they're, they're just so tired, they're so weary, they're so beaten up, they can hardly just get their hands up to punch at the other guy. They're exhausted, they're bleeding until one giant warrior falls to the canvas. And then Adrian cries out, Rocky, you did it! You're the winner! You won! The crowd goes crazy. Everyone goes to their feet, and there's Rocky standing victorious with blood streaming out of his eyes and nose and ears. You're the man, Rocky. He's been brain damaged. We find that in movie number five. You're the winner, Rocky. And then they take him to the hospital for a transfusion and a body cast. You're the man, Rock. And something I don't know 
something defectual in my mind is, is, is that's a great movie and on the other hand you know when you look at Rocky bleeding from everywhere in a body cast with brain damage you might ask yourself who really wins does anybody really win in that kind of a fight and yet conflict happens it happens even between the best, most loving people. I've never met an evil person in my life. I really haven't. And yet, between good-hearted, well-intentioned people, wires get crossed, and personal needs bump up against one another, there's friction, and we stand there in the metaphorical ring taking punishment, dealing it out until one warrior falls to the ground. And let's just admit it. Let's just admit it. It feels pretty good for a moment, doesn't it? If you happen to be, you get the last word in, for just a moment, it's kind of savory, it's kind of tasty, but then you step back, and you realize the damage that's been done, and you have no idea how to undo it. And you begin to realize you really haven't won, but rather you lost a friend, a partner, a spouse, your ability to witness to a co-worker, a relationship with someone that you love, or brother and sister in Christ. And it's no longer so tasty. Conflict happens. It happens in loving churches. It happens in loving families. And it's terribly serious because we have all seen the destructive effect I was talking to Belinda this week and I'm just sharing with her. I, I, I imagine that every one of us can think about a long sleepless night that we had where we said something out of anger and it surprised me. It caught me off guard when you, the level of detail that you could remember at that moment. The level of detail. Why? Because it was a traumatic event. Every one of us has been probably guilty of saying something that we shouldn't have said and then laying in bed and tossing and turning conflict happens but this is where in that moment where we choose whether we're going to let it go or we're going to follow the words of scripture that's where the rubber meets the road that's where our faith is so important wouldn't it be wonderful wouldn't it be wonderful instead of just uh, having these uh, broken uh, broken battles, the, these, these conflicts that we don't know how to heal. Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was a way where we could have a conflict and yet everybody comes out the other side a winner? Wouldn't that be marvelous? Where actually a broken relationship isn't broken, but it actually becomes strengthened? Isn't it wonderful that God's Word clearly identifies that's what His plan for conflict is? that we can come out the other side better, stronger, more mature, more Christ-like if we'll follow His counsel. That's what we want to look at this morning. What's God's plan for resolving conflict? And it begins for me right in verse 26. This is a jam-packed little verse. Be angry and yet do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. Every one of us has heard it. Few of us have probably quoted it. In this uh, little short verse, there's three different commands of our Heavenly Father for us. Number one, surprising, be angry. It might seem like a strange command to start with. Be angry. It's a perfect place to start. 
Because we know in the Scripture there's nothing necessarily wrong with being angry. Jesus was angry, and we know that he never sinned. So, uh, but yet somewhere in our theology, we got to the idea that, that holy people, that saved Christians, we don't get angry. And so the attitude is, you know, if something we get bumped up against somebody, it's just like, well, I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I wouldn't stoop to his level. And yet conflicts happen, and, and if we don't kind of admit that we're angry, there really isn't much of a chance of healing ever occurring. And frankly, some of the angriest people I've ever known are those people that never get angry. Scripture says admit your anger. Sometimes you have every right to be angry. You, you might want to ask yourself, is it a righteous anger? Or is it a selfish anger? You might consider, is this something that God would be angry over? Or am I just getting upset because of the fear of losing something, getting stepped on? Be angry. I would just add one other thing. Make sure that it's anger that you're actually feeling. Sometimes it's not anger at all. Sometimes the anger is like a second-generation emotion that comes of it. I, I, I know for, for me, uh, one of the times when I start to get angry, I think it was something I picked up in the Army. Maybe some of you can relate to it. The greatest sin that you can ever commit in the army is, is letting a fellow soldier down. Letting somebody down. He's shaking your head. And sometimes I get to the point where there's not enough of me to go around or something, you know, and I feel like I'm about to let somebody down, and I can just feel myself getting a little snippy inside. And I just have to stop and ask myself, wait, why, why are you angry? Maybe it's not anger at all. Somebody mentioned this week, sometimes it, maybe it's guilt. Maybe you feel like you, know, you really have done something that you crossed a line, you let someone. Well, deal with that. Be angry, says the Scriptures, but not, do not sin. There's the rub right there, isn't it? Be angry, but do not sin. That's the hard part. Because the temptation is, is just to let loose. To go from anger to full outrage or anger to the silent treatment, whatever your kind of personal preference is. But the Scripture says, be angry and do not sin. I just want to kind of give you some examples of what that might look like. Number, number one, Dr. Dobson mentioned it, attack the person. Excuse me, attack the... Attack the well, when, <laughs> I'll start again. <laughs> attack the problem, not the person. And I have never seen this any more clearly than when I'm doing uh, couples counseling, marriage counseling. And, and what I see is maybe a, a husband and a wife that have been joined to good-intentioned, good-hearted people. The Spirit of God lives within them. They're joined together to pull in one direction. They're helpmates, says the Scripture. And nothing is supposed to come in between them, right? That's... That's the vow that we took in the church so many years ago for many of us. And sometimes those two good, well-intentioned people, they'll come up with a real problem, you know, like, like maybe kids that are just driving them crazy, or, or, or maybe it's finances, or maybe now you're at a point in your life when you're taking care of your parents, and that's hard. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Not the parents, not the kids. But what so often happens is instead of that couple 
pointing all of their energy at the problem, pointing all of that two good-hearted helpmates joined together by the power of the Holy Spirit. What I often see in marital counseling is that somehow, some along the way, instead of pointing their guns, pointing their energy at the problem, they will turn on each other. Maybe they don't know how to deal with that, and so that's all they can do. Maybe it's a pattern that they've broken into over the, over the many years. Attack the issue, not the person. Because we're a team, whether it's a husband and a wife, whether it's a church that's going through. I was thinking this morning as I was going over and over again, it's like, it's like 85% of all churches in America are either plateaued or in decline. So let, let's attack the real problem. Let's attack it. It's not like, you know, one extra hymn or one other. That's not going to solve it. Let's attack the problem. Because why? Because we're one body. There's never, never been a person that joined this church where I haven't looked at him. I said, do you feel this is where the Spirit of God has called you to worship and serve? Yes? Right? I asked you. Well, if that's the case, that means that we're one body. And we need to point our energy not at each other, but at the real problem. Be angry and yet do not sin. That's the, the crossroads. That's where it becomes critical. In that one second, we have to decide whether we're going to choose to de-escalate or escalate. Whether we're going to put fuel on the fire. For instance, good fuel is this. It, 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 you better... Or else. Avoid ultimatums. Because listen, no matter what, if it's in a marriage or it's in a church, people get dangerous when you push them up against the wall. Don't give them the silent treatment. Remember that the goal, remember the goal is what? Is the goal to win in that momentary, kind of tasty moment, or is it to have rich and whole relationships for years to come? To be part of a church body that, that is just absolutely thriving so good to see many of you here today now let's just double that what do you say the goal is healing so keep your voice toned down intimidation doesn't work not for long so try using a soft voice instead of yelling that's what the scripture says how about this one don't dig up the past but deal with the problem at hand this would be funny, in a way, if it wasn't so destructive. I've been in marital counseling with people that have gone back, you know, well, he did this last week, and that's why I did this yesterday. Well, the reason I did that last week was what she did a month ago. This is a true story. I, got, I, got, I was doing a marital counseling in my last church so, I mean, many years ago, and they went back about 15 years. And I must admit, that I wasn't a very good counselor because I just kind of got fascinated. I was just kind of, how far? How, how far are y'all going to go back? They went back 15 years until they ran out of steam. Listen, listen, if you're bringing up the past, you're not going to fix the problem right here. 15 years ago, that problem should have been addressed. Now's not the time. Let's deal with the problem that's right here. And by the way, that's exactly what the Scriptures say. This is, you, you say you love your spouse. You say you love your brother at church. You cry it out. You know, hey, brother, I love you. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. 
does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. You know what that means? Love doesn't keep score. Again, what's the goal? You want to win this argument so you can put a mark on your side of the, uh, the scorecard? Or do you want a healthy whole relationship that's going to help you grow into the image of Jesus Christ and give you joy all along the way? To me, the option is clear, right? Deal with the problem right now. Be angry, says the Scripture, and yet do not sin. The third element of this is one verse, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. I had a couple I was working with many years ago, and, and they said, well, that's a problem, Cal, because it always seems like we fight at night right before we're ready to go to bed. Sandy and I went through a little phase. We don't fight. We, we really never have. But we used to get a little edgy. Remember, Fort Knox, Kentucky, Sunday nights, it seemed like we were always kind of fussy with each other. And finally, I, I, we just got into a conversation. Why is it that always Sunday nights we get fussy? You know why? Because we just had a great weekend, because we loved each other, and now we were going to have to be apart for a little bit, and the way we were dealing with it is we were taking it out on each other. Sometimes you just got to stop and figure out what's going on. Don't let the sun go down. It, it isn't about the time of day. It's not about the clock on the wall. What it means is don't let too much time go by before you address the issue. That's what it means. Don't let too much time go. Now, here's, here's the problem. Sometimes, some of us, and, and, and what I've seen over the years is usually one spouse is different from the other. One spouse might say something like this, I just need to take a time out for a minute. I'm going to go for a walk. The other spouse, doesn't matter if it's male or female, it's usually one or the other, is going to say, we need to get this settled right now. I need to take a walk. Well, we need to settle this right I need to take a walk. Well, we just need to settle this right now. Listen, here's what you do. You don't let too much time go by before you address it because what happens? You know very well. You start playing mind games. You start playing tapes over in your head, don't you? Well, if he ever says that to me again, I'm just going to... Don't let too much time go by. And if you do need to take a break, fight fair. You just got to say, listen, I need 30 minutes and then when I get back... We're going to come together and we're going to fix this together. It's fearful for some people when, when a man will often kind of storm out. Ah. Sometimes that's fearful for a spouse. So just say, I'm going to go take a breath. We're going to come back together. If you don't do it, you know what happens? The devil rejoices over you. The devil, who's just as real as Jesus Christ, the devil will rejoice over you. That's what the Scripture says. And do not give the devil an opportunity. You know what? What's the opportunity? He's going to get in there, and he's going to get in that idea of you playing mind games and, and you dwelling in bitterness. And you know what? It's nobody's calling here today to give the devil or his demons any rejoicing. That's how important it is. This isn't poetry. This is the reality of our lives. Do you want that happy, whole marriage? It's going to lift her up. It's going to lift you up. Do you want the peace that you can have by following what the Scriptures say? Don't let too much time go by. Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. Take a moment, then come back and re-engage.
Verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Edification. Edification is this beautiful word that literally means beautiful. It it means that what I say to you should be designed to what? To build you up into a beautiful, a beautiful creation. That's what our words are for. I was just thinking as I was walking in this morning, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh-uh. You can remember that for the rest of your life. I, I heard a story Wednesday night. I heard a story Wednesday night, and, I, and it was one of the best stories I've ever heard. I may get it wrong, but here's kind of the gist of the story. And certainly the conclusion, I've got this right. Family is about ready to go on vacation. And so the the mom sounds like she decided, hey, kids, let's get all the luggage. Let's put it out behind the car so that dad can load it. So all this stuff's out there. They're ready to go. Dad doesn't know, gets in the car to reposition it, backs up over all the luggage. I mean, backs up over it sounds like he was persistent because one of those pieces of luggage got caught up in the wheel well to the point where they had to get somebody to come help them wife comes out looks at the situation what have you done not edifying what have you done man says i didn't i didn't know they were back there i didn't think anything was back there well didn't you look in the backup camera the car's got a backup camera i didn't I didn't think anything was back there. I didn't, I didn't know. Did you hear the car go beep, beep, beep? I didn't think anything was back there. She starts again. He says, if you love me, you'll quit talking right now. At which point I just busted up laughing. Because it's funny, but it's also a powerful truth. Between husbands and wife, between brothers and sisters in church, if you love me, you'll quit talking right now. Don't you think that man knew better than anybody what a bonehead thing that he had just done? He did. Why did he need help understanding that? Didn't need help. Here's what I want to tell you, too. At that moment, whatever is said, that man is going to remember it for the rest of his life. Whatever is said. You can keep on beating, but the next time he makes a mistake, is going to bring up this memory, and he's going to say, I'm, never going to, I'm not going to tell her about this one because I know what she did last time, and now what do we got? We've got a wall. We don't have this. We've got a barrier between a husband and a wife. Same thing in the church. Listen, the person that makes the mistake knows. If, 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 if that person's apologized, if that person says, I'll do better next time, let it go. If you love me, You'll quit talking right now. Is it worth it just to be able to have something in Sunday school? To Is it worth it? 
Because the same thing, no matter, no matter what you say, they're going to remember it. How about this? Come out, you see the luggage. You look at your husband and you say, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. It happens. Let's figure it out together. He'll remember that, that kind of grace. He'll remember that for the rest of his life. Backing up over something reminds me of a time when Sandy, no, no, I'm not going to bring up that story. You know why? Because for everyone that I could bring up, she could bring up three. <laughs> if you love me, you'll quit talking right now. You might say that about me right now, too. I don't know. <laughs> Edify. Words build up. They're not designed to tear down. That's what God's intention is for every one of us. Sarcasm won't work. Inflammatory language won't work. And what's really hurtful, I think, especially, and Dr. Dobson hit on it just a little bit, husbands and wives especially, and I think brothers and sisters in Christ, we know each other better than we know anybody, so we know where all the soft spots are. So a brother or a sister or a husband or wife, you're going to protect those soft spots, not, not go straight to them. Give grace. I didn't, I didn't know you felt that way. I didn't know I'd hurt you. I'm sorry. I didn't know what made me say that. I'm sorry. You made me angry. But you know, I, I'm to blame too. I'm sorry. Forgive me. These are words that are going to build up. They're going to edify. Because you don't want to be just two bloody guys standing in the middle of a ring wailing on each other. It just, it doesn't work. Verse 31 says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. My goodness, those words are so easy to say in church, aren't they? They just resonate. That's the person I want to be. Isn't that the person you want to be? Kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. They're hard, they're hard sometimes because you get caught off guard or sometimes someone just goes into attack completely unexpectedly or man, you're tired and you're trying to balance three things and maybe the kids weren't behaving so great today and you stand at the crossroads and you just say, I, I, I have this choice now. And you know what? In my experience, you kind of, you recognize that choice, don't you? Most of the time you recognize that choice right at the crossroads of be angry but don't sin. What do you do? My experience, the best thing that I think I can tell you is at that crossroads, just stop for just the briefest of moments and just pray. If you can summon the strength to pray at the crossroads between be angry and do not sin, God's going to give you the strength to overcome. I guarantee it. You know why? Because God's Word says that He guarantees it. Listen, we're all grown up. Right? Every one of us, well, we've got a few kids down here, but most of us are grown up, right? Sometimes we'll just say, well, he just made me so mad that I just lost my cool. No, 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 sorry, no. 
because we're all grown up now, right? He didn't make you do anything. You, at the crossroads of be angry and do not sin, you chose to let it go. No one controls your emotions except you, right? Mm, lukewarm. Amen there. The Scripture says this, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. So when we see that word temptation in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, we, we kind of tend to lean toward, oh, that must be some kind of sexual sin. But, but the temptation to lose our anger, just to lose it, is also applicable. The Scripture says, And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. So, so at that crossroads, if you can just stop, say, Lord, I want to inherit your kingdom. I want to make a choice right now that honors you. And maybe you don't have time or energy to say anything other than just help me, Lord Jesus. And the scripture says that if you can muster that much strength up, God's going to give you a way out of it. Some of you may ask, well, why should I? Well, because it's the command of God first. In verse 25 also, it says, because we are members of one another. We are members of one another. You know what that means to me? In fact, the Scripture goes on and says pretty much the same thing. When you hurt, the Scriptures say that I hurt. Just like your children, when their children are hurting, you hurt for them, don't you? It's the same way in the body of Christ. At the very best, when you hurt, I hurt. When you cry, I may cry. When you rejoice, I get to rejoice with you. Because why? We're on the same team. We're the same family. And that's worth a whole lot more than just that momentary gratification of winning an argument. And, he, and here's how important it is. Number two, it says this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I always use that when, when someone talks about me singing. It's usually me. Uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, says Kenny. Don't sing. Um, but what it's talking about here is when the relationships in the church are broken. In the church, in the church, when they're broken, it says it grieves the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It grieves the Spirit when we punch and punish each other there must be a better way so let these words these final words from this passage breathe through you today be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving each other just as god in christ also has forgiven you i'm not uh, i'm not a, a medical doctor but i have been told over the years that when a bone is broken. If it's, if it's properly set, that where the bone was broken, if it mends properly, it becomes the strongest point of the bone. And I truly believe that it can be the same even in the church where there's broken relationships. Sometimes, you know, I, I, I would say that the greatest some of the greatest regrets of my entire life have been when I was at that crossroad and I let my temper go. Some of the greatest disappointments in my life 
And even to this day, I'm not sure exactly how to heal some of those. But the blood of Jesus Christ has power. And I believe that those relationships can still be healed. It's certainly my desire, my hope, to the point where it can be the strongest part because we've been through something and yet we were able to be healed. And I believe it's possible. And I believe it's God's desire. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for the incredible and perfect wisdom that we see in it. I pray, Father, for myself and I pray for this church that these would not be pretty words, poetic words. It's not enough just to talk about them in here. Oh, Lord God, help us. Help us to live these words so that we might have the joy and fulfillment, the testimony of a church that's different. Help us at the crossroad of be angry and do not sin, to choose well for your sake and so that we might inherit your kingdom. We love you, Lord. We confess each one of us here today that it's hard. There may be broken relationships and that we don't even know how to heal, but Lord, I've experienced it in my life. And I know it's possible. So I pray for myself where there's broken relationships. I pray for this church where there, there might be hurts that have not yet healed. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would, would make a way that those breaks could be strong, beautiful, lead to wholeness of life. We confess, Lord, that we cannot do this without you. Help us to do our part, and then, as your word says, you make all things work together for the good. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. How good it is to open God's Word with you today. God's Word is alive. God's Word is alive. Maybe it's spoken to you today. Maybe there's a broken relationship in your life and you don't know how to fix that. I, I, I know there was one in my life many years ago and I just prayed for a long time, Lord, I don't know how to heal this. It was a deep wound and I didn't know how to heal it. And I just, I just prayed, Lord, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to open a door. And by the strangest set of circumstances, he opened a door. And we had the opportunity to, to sit and to talk and work through it. And today that relationship is rich and whole. It's full of love. I know it's possible. Maybe you too are having one of those. Where you are in the pew on during this last song, or if you'd like to come and just kneel at the altar, there's a, a power that happens here when we move. I think God knows that we're serious and, and that we humble ourselves before Him. I don't know how to do this, Lord. But I pray that you'd open a door so there could be healing. We know it's God's will. We can ask boldly. Won't you come? Maybe there's something else that the Spirit has spoken to you today. Whatever it is, say yes. His wisdom and His love is perfect for you. Say yes. And I know you'll be blessed. As Kenny leads us in this one last song, who will be the first to come? <laughs>